Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Welcome into a special Friday edition of another Dolphins Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Josh is away for the night. That means I have with me at Brian Cat NFL. Cat, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. It's uh, great to be coming off a victory here, and it's always interesting to go down to Foxborough, so looking forward to it on primetime. It was such an exciting game over the Chargers last Sunday to pull out a 36-34 win, and Jason Sanders missed an extra point, and it didn't matter. That, to me, was the biggest mind-boggling fact of the entire game. Uh, Yeah, I have a a one-month-old and a three-year-old, and when he missed that, I just kept saying, I'll kill him. I'll ki- and that was that was not my greatest moment as a father. But uh, yeah, I, I I would have bet anything when after Sanders missed that field goal that Dolphins were going to lose that game by a point just because of the way the way the rest of the defense was going. But you started to see Vic Fangio start to dial up uh, some blitzes there toward the end of the game and in the final drive. Hopefully, we see that a little bit more earlier if the defense isn't clicking. But then again. Um, it's very rare that you're going to see a top five quarterback and a top five running back like the Dolphins saw when they played the Chargers last week. But um, it was to me last week was even more satisfying of a win than the Ravens game last year. I mean, to keep going back and forth and back and forth and then come out with the victory um, against a team that that puts up 34 points and was healthy and clicking on all cylinders incredibly satisfying to see a victory like that before I, I want to spend the majority of this um this podcast talking offense offense is what makes the world roll around but two defensive players i want to ask you about considering that chargers game first did you expect david long jr to play about a dozen snaps I, man between he and brandon jones played 19 snaps combined so regardless no i did not expect that but when we talked last week preview in the game too i what I thought needed to happen is make Austin Eckler beat you running the football. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't do it. Don't 
you know, stack up against the run and have Justin Herbert play action and send blitzes toward him. And and now he has a lot of room to work with. Well, the Dolphins took me up in that and almost lost the game with their run defense. So I think we see a lot more of David Long Jr. this week. He played 17 snaps last week. I'd be surprised if you don't see at least 30 this week. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, Brandon Jones, I think, report came. He just wasn't all the way there. It kind of seemed like out there for a couple snaps and things weren't just moving the right way. So he is actually trending in the right direction for this week. But the other player I wanted to bring up, I mean, I completely agree with you. I don't think the Dolphins expected to let, quote-unquote, Austin Eckler run for 200 and plus 200 yards. But I do think it was in the game plan to let him do his thing a little bit more. Uh, how about Emmanuel Agba? I mean, he had a sub-30 PFF grade, and then you add in the fact he played less than 20 snaps for the contract he's making. You'd think that he's kind of could be the difference maker against the run. Yeah, and he didn't make a difference against the pass either. And I, yeah, not a good game from Agba. Um, Christian Wilkins was very hit or miss. See, Wilkins gets, gets a little bit of a pass because he's going to try to get in the backfield, and be, when he does that, he's going to take himself out of running lanes sometimes. But as we know with Wilkins, it's not a 50-50 thing. He's going to get in the backfield and make more plays than he lets up. Um, Raquan Davis has a bullseye on his back for me this game, this next game. He was wretched in the last game against the Chargers. I mean, look, Emmanuel Agba can do different things. Christian Wilkins can do different things. Raquan Davis has one job, be big and get in the middle. That's it. And he was torched against the Chargers and that better turn around this week he'll be going heads up against David Andrews who's one of the better centers in the league as we work towards Sunday night football against the New England Patriots the Dolphins are slowly starting to get healthy let's start with Teron Armstead Cap Kendall Lamb was I wouldn't say awesome but he did his job against the Chargers he didn't surrender any sacks would you, how do you feel about the progress Tron Armstead is making? On Wednesday, he was in the red practice jersey. On Thursday, it kind of looked like he was a full go. Do you feel comfortable putting him out there, or would you rather just kind of take it slow and let Lamb do his thing for another week? I'll tell you, the two biggest fears I had heading into this season is number one, is Tron Armstead going to stay healthy? And number two, if he doesn't, which he didn't play in the first week, is that going to ruin the offense? And I'm delighted to hear that Armstead is a, was a full participant today. And even if he weren't, you take a look at how Kendall Lamb played last week at left tackle for the Dolphins. We have some real insurance there now. And, you know, going up against the Chargers uh, outside linebackers, Lamb had two really bad snaps. But other than that, fank, I mean, nothing to complain about. And then Austin Jackson on the right side, I mean – I don't quite think he had as great of a game as some Dolphins fans think. He did get pushed back a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I, I'll take that. If that's what you're getting out of Austin Jackson this year, which is above average right tackle play, it makes this Dolphins offensive line one of the best in the league. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over the yard against the Chargers, and I think the bread-and-butter play for the Dolphins last year was those stretch runs behind Teron Armstead. Do you feel if Armstead did play against the Chargers, Miami would have maybe focused on the run and maybe had a little more success with it? Or do you think um, that really doesn't shift the focus when you're game-planning for an opponent? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I've had a hard time putting my finger on that, rewatching the games and, and thinking about that. Because on one hand, Kendall Lamb, even though he's 31, he is he can get out there. He is a good fit in the at left tackle for what this offense does, because he is 
pretty nimble for being 31 years old. So that leads me to believe, no, they would have gone past crazy anyway. And we've seen them do that in the past, Mm -hmm. but I mean, having Armstead back certainly helps open up the playbook more. Um, And they do have to, they do have to open it up more. Cause let's be honest. If the dolphins had, had lost last week, I think we'd all be saying, man, what could we have done differently? And we would have been looking at that stat sheet and seeing that the running backs only got what 12 carries mm-hmm. uh, in four quarters when the game was back and forth. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad they came away with the win and they just said the heck with it and just went bombs and it worked. If we wanted to compare this season to last season, obviously you have the Baltimore game, you have the Buffalo game that were so thrilling that kind of fit the same mold as the Chargers game. However, nobody seems to be mentioning the fact that that Patriots-Dolphins game on opening day, they won 20-17. to 17. Jalen Waddell had an incredible fourth down. Uh, he was, he, they weren't even at the 50-yard line, I think, and they went for it on fourth down, and he took it to the house. Things are always different against the Patriots, and that's got me feeling a little queasy. Yeah, at 20-7 to 7 last year, I think it was in week oh, one. Oh, was it seven? Uh, I think yeah, right. yeah, it was. So the Dolphins are up 20 to nothing at halftime, and – they didn't, they didn't score a point in the second half, but you know, they, they didn't have to, I, they, I mean, of course you always want to score points, but um, they were definitely not near as aggressive as they could have been. And the defense had that game under control. So yeah, this, these won't be easy games to win against the Patriots. I mean, they're going to still, I think be somewhere between a seven and a nine win team this year. And they're scrappy. And, and you look at last week against the Eagles, the Patriots, uh, or at one point at the end of the first quarter, the Eagles are up 16 to nothing with the ball at midfield. And nobody would have ever thought that there in the fourth quarter, Mac Jones would have the ball in his hands with an opportunity to win that game 28 to 25. Now that didn't happen and the Eagles won 25 to 20, but it's a scrappy team. And the Patriots have quietly still one of the best defenses in the league as we look at, at, at this defense across the board. And there are stats to back that up. I mean, just take a look last year. I mean, they were third in sacks. They were second in takeaways. They were top eight in just about every statistical category that you can have. So this is, this is going to be different than, than playing the chargers this week. Dietrich Wise, good old friend Devon Godshaw, Lawrence Guy Sr., excuse me, and Matthew Judon make up that front four. Thinking about that and thinking about the fact that the Patriots know how to get to the quarterback, they know how to take the ball over, is that is it too obvious to say that, hey, I think this is a week that the Dolphins are actually going to run the football, just try to keep the clock moving a little bit and just get this game over with mistake-free as possible? That's what I think the strategy is going to be. They're, they're at least going to run the ball more this week. And like you said there, yeah, they've got a good – Four, they've got a good interior defensive line rotation, or a solid one. Of uh, Devon Gottschaw is going to be lined up in nose tackle just about every play uh, in in front of Connor Williams, and then you've got Christian Barmore, who is mm-hmm. really looking like a outstanding, big, long pass rushing defensive tackle. He rotates in there as well as Lawrence Guy and Dietrich Wise, and then on the edge you've got Matt Judon, who has 28 sacks in the last two years for the Patriots, and I believe is better even than what you saw with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack um, as an edge player. So, yeah, the Patriots are going to be good at stopping the run. They're a good run-stopping defense. They were in the top four to six last year. And they've got Matt Juden on on the edge. And they're a team that also defensively, they rotate 
man versus zone coverage about 50-50. So I say this all because you can't just come out and say bombs away on the Patriots mm-hmm. here, you know, or else I think you may end up turning the ball over and now you're playing right into the Patriots' hands. So, yeah, I think a little bit more conservative this week uh, compared to what you saw against the Chargers last week. Raheem Mostert, sorry if I mentioned this, already had a West rest day on Wednesday. He returned to practice on Thursday. So all things considered, it looks like he will be good to go for Sunday night football. One thing that completely blew me away in week one, Eric Ezukama lining up in the backfield. We have spent the greater part of more than a year at this point talking about who's Miami's Debo Samuel. Are they going to find their Debo Samuel? Kat, is it possible they finally found their Debo Samuel? I wouldn't go that far yet, but it was good to see him get out on the field and, you know, getting two carries in the first quarter. I mean, messing with the Chargers head right out of the gate. And, you know, in addition to being concerned about Teron Armstead's health and who was behind Teron Armstead, another major, major question mark I had coming into the season offensively was, is their answer to everything going to be slant or go route to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle all the time? Well, we saw in week one, that is not going to be the case. And that's, it's more sustainable for an offense an entire season. Um, I mean, you get Braxton Barrios out there who looked fantastic on those three catches and a real upgrade over Trent Sherfield from last, last year. Uh, Durham Smythe gets uh, three catches for 47 yards. River Craycraft, 40 plus yards and a touchdown. Alec Ingold, two catches for 34 yards. These are the underneath options that the Dolphins were not utilizing last year. And in doing that, it makes makes them a lot harder to, to predict. Because if they're not beating you deep, they can they can beat you short. The combination of Durham Smythe and River Craycraft might have been the most interesting thing to follow in week one. I've saw I've said the stat a couple of times already, but Durham Smythe was blocking on 37% of his snaps. River Craycraft was blocking at 41, I believe it was, percent of his snaps. It might have even just been 40. But, man, seeing how they can just move these pieces around, River Craycraft isn't a fullback. But how do you feel about their ability to have a fullback on the field and then have you wide receivers blocking? While you have this tight end who, we'll say he's solid at everything, is the one 15 yards downfield uh, trying to get open for a pass. Yeah, I mean, Durham Smythe is very assignment sound. And that's the word that keeps coming to mind with him. He He's going to catch the passes that are thrown to him and he's going to block well, but most importantly, he's going to carry out his assignments. He's never going to be, he's never going to be Travis Kelsey. He's never going to be Mark Andrews. He's not going to be that kind of player, but he's somebody who, you know, when the role of this offense is to get Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle the ball, not everybody is going to be a superstar receiver. And they shouldn't be. And that that's where Durham Smythe and River Craycraft and Alec Engel come in really well. Um, and it's interesting, too, that River Craycraft it was active last Sunday over Cedric Wilson. And it wouldn't surprise me if that happened again. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. What is it about the skill set, do you feel? Because um, I just always go back to the Tyree Kill uh, quote. He was talking about how they did a draft during the preseason for drills. Uh, they just kind of separated the group's wide receivers, and his first pick was River Craycraft. It's an offense where you have to be at a certain spot when Tua throws the ball. Uh, so you have somebody who is a – if River Craycraft were just an okay route runner, he'd be out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. He is a – perfect route runner and it's no surprise that Wes Welker is the special teams or, or is the wide receiver coach or uh, and loves them and goes to bat for him so you've got somebody who is a perfect route runner and can block better than anybody else on the team so he fits those two roles really really well and so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him throughout the season than maybe we had thought Devon A-Chain everyone said it was a healthy scratch on Sunday I, I think it's a little more complicated than that as he works back from the injury uh two-part question for you it seems like Devon Achain would have been the perfect running back to have last week would he have had an impact and to follow it up does that same impact exist against the Patriots or could this be another week where they hold off on him I hope he's active this week I mean I I want I was really disappointed that he wasn't active and also Chris Brooks didn't get any carries he played on special teams a little bit but that was it and you know I the only explanation I can think of is that's just stylistically Raheem Mostert, Savan Ahmed are similar to Devon Achain. Now it's not saying, I mean, I think Achain has more upside. He's fat. He's purely faster. He can catch the ball very well, but stylistically, I think it was more important for them to have a, a big back on game day, uh, like Chris Brooks, who could also play special teams. So I hope he gets on the field uh, here we'll see. I, I, if I were, if I were guessing, I would say, yeah, Achain is active on game day. I mean, this is a guy who ran for 1200 yards in the sec. I mean, he can run the football too, which is something I think we forget about quite a bit. Looking at the offensive line. I, I want to get a glimpse into your house when it, I think it was the second drive of the game. Liam Eichenberg played the first snap of that drive. What was going through your mind? Did you think the dolphins were going to try to flip flop every drive? No, I didn't think that. I thought Eichenberg was going to be in the rest of the game. And thankfully he wasn't because Isaiah Wynn got in there and was an immediate upgrade. And it's not a surprise because anybody who takes over for Eichenberg's an immediate upgrade. I mean, last year, Robert Jones was an immediate upgrade. Not He was not a superstar, but he was better than Eichenberg. So um, the combination of Eichenberg being out there for the first couple of plays or the first – just one play. It was one snap. And then Connor Williams and two having their fumbled um, exchanges at center, which hopefully doesn't continue and got fit, cleaned up pretty quickly. 
Um, yeah, I wasn't hopeful after the first drive, but then when the Dolphins came back and they had such a clean um, second drive and marched right down the field and made it seven-seven, at that point, in the back of my head, my mind, I always thought the Dolphins were going to come away with the win. Looking at this group of wide receivers, you know Tyreek Hill is going to get his targets. I think Jalen Waddle had the quietest eighty yards on four receptions I think ever. Uh, I'm not really sure I think of the system like I did last year in terms of Trent Sherfield and Mike Gesicki combining for 100 targets. I think it might take three, maybe four people to reach that 100 targets uh, this season. Entering week two, who's someone that maybe flew under the radar week one who has an opportunity against a defense like New England just to be like a safe option to keep the offense moving um, instead of knowing that the Chargers, it's going to be a little more explosive type game? You know, I... It's hard to predict a sleeper because everybody got involved last week. So, you know, <laughs> fair point. I would love to see as much Braxton Barrios as possible. Uh, and not only, you know, we talked about Hill and Waddle too. And yeah, obviously they're your stars. But what was interesting last week, and uh, uh, Chris Kaufman brought this up, was of two is 45 passes, I think only on 24 of them, Hill and Waddle were on the field together at the same time, which <laughs> is fascinating. Because you would think that's something that would be just be offhand would just be stupid to not have them on the field at the same time. But they were able to rotate in players more effectively and give the defense a lot of different looks instead of just um, playing back on Hill and Waddle. So I, I hope that continues. And if it gets to a point where defenses start to figure that out have Hill and Waddle back on the field again, and then you could take the top off. So there are so many different looks, but there, I like that we saw in week one right from the outset that there are so many different bullets in their chamber um, if something's not working on offense. Speaking to that for a second, what, what changes when there's only one on the field? Is it as simple as the defense is still you know training all week, practicing all week with the impression of we need to play a little back, we need to have these guys uh, make sure they don't get behind us, and then one's on the field and you can use other strengths of the offense? Or how does that work exactly? More, I think more decoys and more looks. I mean, it, it comes down to that where this is an offense where after the snap, the the receivers and the tight ends aren't going where you expected them to go. So you have the confusion after the stat, snap and then you have the confusion before the snap too. So yeah, I, I look, I look for that to, to happen more and more here throughout, throughout the year. Um, and another matchup offensively too, you know, we've seen so many highlight clips of Tyree Kill and really like looking like an arena league player going in motion so much after before the snap. I mean, and I look at a matchup if if he's gonna be in motion a lot, going from the outside to the slot, like we saw last week, at slot cornerback, you've got Miles Bryant for the for the Patriots, who is basically the Dolph the Patriots version of Nick Needham. He's a crafty player, former undrafted free agent, but not the fastest guy. So I'm interested to see if you can get Tyreek Hill lined up frequently with Miles Bryant in the slot. I, uh, what did you think of the fact they were using all this behind the uh, line of scrimmage motion, not necessarily the run behind the entire offensive line, but maybe just flaring out outside a little bit where it felt arena football-ish. I loved it because it, not only is it unpredictable, but even for the motion they were showing, the Dolphins were, and Tua was, his head wasn't in the backfield as much as it was in previous years. 
Um, that's always my concern with so much mumbo jumbo going on in the backfield where is it too much commotion to where Tua is not doing what he does best. And that's seeing the field quickly and hitting your receiver with accuracy. And they were able to blend both of those things very well together. Looking at that group, I, I had one, I had one final question when you think about um, that, those, those flares and that motion, Give me which week is it going to be when uh, Tyree Kill does that? But before they hike the ball, he's already back on the other side of the field, like 20 yards behind the quarterback. Not 20, but like 10 yards behind the quarterback, just coming all the way back around. I'm more scared of uh, he's going to be going in motion back and forth, back and forth, and then somebody's just going to light him up after the snap. He better be aware of that because that's coming. Um, now, I think he is going to be aware of that because I mean, how could you not be? He's He's slippery before and after the snap, so... Yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes from there, and 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 if that gets picked up, and the Dolphins need to simplify that, that's a lot better than being boring on offense. And then, ooh, bam, we got to get creative now. It's it's a lot easier to go the other way. You mentioned hitting them at hitting him at the line. Um, how often do you think that would happen? Because I I try to think about that, and you have to lay a hit on Hill for him to you know stumble or fall off his route a little bit. Seems like it could be an opportunity for a swing and a miss, too, to get just a defender completely out of the play. Oh, yeah. I mean, we see that on, on Madden all the time, too. I mean, <laughs> if at the line of scrimmage, a guy, cornerback just whiffs, and it's it's just to the house from there. And that's that's what it's like. It's like playing a video game with, uh, with Tyreek Hill. So we'll see. And, hey, when you look at his numbers of, uh, for the year here, he's on pace for 3,870 receiving yeah. yards after one game. I just Those are just the facts. So, uh his 2000 is, is he's well ahead of pace so far. From last Sunday till now, what's, what's been the most consistent thought in terms of this team? For me, it's the Jason Sanders missed extra point because that's just how I am. But has there been something that stuck with you that, that made a, might've stood out that, about that first game? Really the offensive tackles. And mm-hmm. because to, to me, if, if there was one position that I could point to and say, if that doesn't, if that doesn't get corrected, that's going to ruin the season. It's that not only in terms of getting your quarterback hurt, but even when, if your quarterback's not hurt, Tua has to be able to plant his feet when he throws the ball. And, and it's not saying he can't make some off balance. throws. we obviously saw that last week, you know, on the third and 10, when he runs forward and um, throws the 50 yard bomb. And when he, you know, in the other play where on third and 15, he avoids the pressure after um, uh, Kendall Lamb missed his block there and just drilled a, a first down pass on third and 15. We've seen that happen, but for the most part, to a off balanced, you, you don't want him throwing into tight coverage if he's not planting his feet. But we saw this offensive line and Mike McDaniel give two all day to throw, which was something I never thought I would see this past Sunday. Welcome back to football season, right? Hey, can I get a final projection of what this Patriots game, how you feel and how do you feel it's going to turn out? Before I give you that, I, I I think it's important to know where the Dolphins are right now. And I know it's only week two, but listen, if the Dolphins go 2-0 and to start the season here and two road wins against the Chargers and against the Patriots, the rest of the season, I tweeted this today, they have five road games. Five. If you didn't see my tweet and you're thinking that's impossible, um, here's why it's not impossible is because the Dolphins were scheduled to have uh, uh, eight road games this year. And 
uh, nine home games. Two of them are already done after this game. And then you have another one that was supposed to be a Kansas City that's being played in Germany. So you've got five road games the rest of the year, and you have nine home games. And of those nine home games, you should look at the opponents. Uh, if you beat the Patriots here at New England on primetime, I'm inclined to think that you're going to beat them again later in the season. So you would have the Patriots at home, the Jets at home, the Broncos at home, the Giants at home, the Panthers at home, the Raiders at home, and the Titans at home. If you start out 2-0 and here, the schedule for the rest of the year is really appetizing. And in addition to that, you don't play the Patriots and the Bills in December. You get those games out of the way in the first half of the year. So that's exciting. And now having said that, um, I do think this will be a scrappy game. And I've got the Dolphins coming away with this 21 to 16. And the score should say it all. The Patriots are going to be kicking more field goals. The Dolphins are going to be putting more touchdowns here on the board. And the main matchup that the Dolphins have to dominate is on, on the defensive side of the ball. The Patriots on their offensive line are very, very injured. Trent Brown, as we record this here, he, he's in concussion protocol. It's it's going to be a real big uphill battle for him to clear all those um, all those steps. And if he doesn't play, they lose. They they're losing one of their two best offensive linemen. They're going to have Calvin Anderson at left tackle and Tyrone Wheatley Jr. likely at right tackle. And Michael and Wainu and Cole Strange, a very good guard combo for them. We're expected to play this past week, but they didn't. And they're still, if even if they play, they, they play hurt. And if they don't play, they're going to have rookies behind them um, taking their spot. Um, uh, Mafi and not even City So, because he's supposed to be out this game, but really battered offensive line. So Jalen Phillips going up against Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Um, uh, got to win that matchup. Calvin Anderson against Bradley Chubb, who the Dolphins traded those draft picks for, got to win that. And on the interior, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer have to dominate the matchups against either Hurt or rookie offensive linemen. I think that's where the Dolphins really get a leg up here in this game, set an early tone, and they, they come away with a victory here. I really like what you said about the Patriots kicking field goals, because when I think of the biggest weakness of this team, look at that roster. It's questionable next to every single offensive line. This is going to be a unit that's going to be throwing a bunch of quick passes to receivers like Kendrick Bourne, possibly Devontae Parker, who's questionable, Juju Smith-Schuster. This is going to be an offense that has to dink, its, dink and dunk its way down the field, avoid negative plays, avoid penalties. And once you're in the red zone, that's like five times harder to do. That's a statistic right off the top of my head. That's obviously true. But I, that's why I think the field goals make so much sense because the Vangio defense, it's gonna they're going to be able to move the ball. But I think that red zone D is going to really look different this week. Absolutely. And the Patriots lost their real true vertical threat in, in Tyquan Thornton. I know he was struggling in training camp and, and preseason, but the guy that could just flat out there and, go out there and catch a 70-yard touchdown was him. And now the Patriots have amassed an army of five or six uh, underneath threats that they, where they can dink and dunk their way downfield. I mean, uh, Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki are going to end up being the vertical threats here in this game for the Patriots. The rest of them, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, Hunter Henry, and uh, a couple of rookies for them, that's a talented group to spread the field with. But my question is, are they going to be able to match the firepower of the Dolphins on offense? And when they go to four and five wide, are they going to be able to 
um, are they going to be able to protect Mac Jones well enough? And another component too is, look, the Dolphins need to redeem themselves on run defense. 24 carries for 223 yards last week by Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly. If Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson comes out there in week one and is running the ball downhill in the first quarter against the Dolphins, Raquan Davis is being wiped out of the play. Christian Wilkins um, isn't getting into the backfield in the first quarter. That suddenly becomes a real problem because now it's two games in a row. So they've got to redeem themselves on run defense too. What a great way to wrap it up. If you haven't seen Cat's tweets, I encourage you to go follow him on X. We're just going to continue to call it Twitter at Brian Cat NFL. Cat, thank you so much for joining me, man. I hope we can do this next week and talk about another dub, but uh, feeling pretty good after the speech you gave me about the uh, schedule the rest of the way. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And there's such a, it's such a rare opportunity to be two and zero and seeing the rest of the schedule. Um, the Dolphins don't win this game. I think the schedule still looks the same, but yeah, it starts to take a little bit of the sting out of it. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling good about this game. The Patriots are a scrappy team, so we'll see what happens. Thank you so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with our game preview feature counts, but until then, it's up. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.